0: Coming up on Stew Does America, Iran's top nuclear scientist has been assassinated. Uh, and that's not him, that's Jason. But uh, I will ask you this question. Will it have any effect on their development of nuclear weaponry? The Gun Program's Jason Buttrell is here not to be assassinated, but to give us a scoop. And for those who tuned in last night for our bitch slapping of Andrew Cuomo, we've got a follow-up strike locked and loaded. Should be a lot of fun tonight. If you head to StuDoesAmerica.com right now, uh, this this very second, you can watch it completely free in a bunch of ways. First, YouTube. Search my name, Stu. I'll be the first channel there. Hit that bell that informs you when we post new content, too. Second, via podcast. Head to iTunes or your favorite provider and subscribe. Don't forget to leave a review that I can uh, read at the end of the show. Rate us five stars, which is the appropriate number of stars. And head to blazetv.com slash stew, get a network subscription, and watch all of our shows. Just be sure to use the promo code stew, because that's how they know you like this stupid show. And it'll knock 30 bucks off the price. And don't fall behind on your Christmas shopping either. We've got great new items in our store, stewdoesmerch.com. First, we've got Santifa Claus, the ultimate collaboration between Santa Claus and Antifa. Uh, When you want to warm yourself by the fire of the AutoZone down the street, uh, get your Santiva Claus merch right now. And speaking of festive, it's not a riot. It's a peaceful tree lighting. Uh Set your friends and family straight by knowing uh, and showing that you are not a racist. You're not a violent anarchist. You are a dutiful Christmas patriot. That's you. Get it all at studoesmerch.com. All right. In theory, the idea of fact-checking information on social media seems like a great idea. But then you remember that people in general are crappy. Hmm. Let's find out how crappy they are and how much they're hiding the truth when we do Fact Checkers.
1: Stew Does America.
0: We live in a world of fact checkers, but I ask you, who is fact checking the fact checkers? And who is fact checking those who fact check the fact checkers? This entire society is just an endless Russian doll made up of fact checkers, fact checking things, and it needs to stop. Now, according to fact checkers, I happen to be one of the most truthful people in America. It's true. If you like to go fact check it, go to PolitiFact's website. Here's my page right here. That's me. See me? See my little fat face there? That's 100 percent mostly true. That's not mostly mostly true or mostly all true. No, no, that's all mostly true. That's the Stude Does America guarantee 100% mostly true. However, not everyone has a record of completely mostly truthfulness like I do. A lot of conservatives feel the wrath of these fact-check organizations. Candace Owens made the crazy assertion that Joe Biden is not technically the president-elect just yet. This was marked false by PolitiFact. Of course, it's not false. The president-elect isn't some really big official position per se. It's mentioned in the 20th Amendment when they talk about a line of succession. Like, you know, for example, if Joe Biden was out playing with his dog and broke his foot, but then wandered off and we never saw him again, Kamala would take his place. But until at least the electoral votes are cast on December 14th, Joe Biden is not the president-elect. No one is. You might not think that's an important distinction, but it is, in Candace's words, literally and legally correct. Why does this matter? Well, when fact-checkers say something is false, you can be demonetized, suspended, or banned from social media entirely. Now, if you're in your heart you are like me, you might think, what a blessing it would be to be banned from social media entirely. And sure, it would make your life much better. But getting flagged by these fact checkers does many things. It first takes away your livelihood as a conservative commentator. And more importantly, it takes away your ability to reach your audience. If you're stuck trying to argue for lower taxes on MySpace, it's just not as effective as it used to be. Candace Owens fought back, and she brought her attorneys. She was able to get the false rating removed from the post. A statement from PolitiFact reads, Correction, PolitiFact originally labeled this video false in our capacity as a third-party fact-checker for Facebook. On November 20th, an appeal to that decision was made on behalf of Ms. Owens. PolitiFact approved the appeal on November 20th, determined that a correction was appropriate, and removed the false rating. And that's great. But honestly, not everyone is Candace Owens, who has a lot of influence and is getting retweeted by Kanye West all the time. It's important to understand how influential these organizations can be and how conservatives always tend to be on the wrong side of them. I'm a person who actually would love to have a serious fact check organization that we could trust. There's so much crap out there. If there was a central place that was reliable, that would be awesome. I mean, obviously, other than this show, which is 100 percent. Mostly true. But these factor check organizations are not unbiased resources. They're not. One of the big problems with fact checking is selection bias. Obviously, no one expects fact checkers to check every single fact. So which ones do they pick? Well, obviously, every politician says something true every day. I mean, Probably. Maybe they might. So if you fact check some benign statement from a Democrat that is true, they look truthful and it helps their social media reach. It helps spread their message. Then, later on, when they tell a lie, it reaches a wider audience, and you never have to fact-check that one. On the other hand, if you find a benign statement that is false from a Republican, it makes them look like a liar and hurts the spread of their message. Later, when they say something true, it will reach a smaller audience, and you don't have to fact-check that one. To bring it in-house here at The Blaze, think of Glenn Beck. Here is his page, At PolitiFact, apparently only 18% of the things he says are true, or mostly true. Yet 57% of the things he says are mostly false, false, or pants on fire. Now, Glenn does 15 hours of radio every week, plus multiple television shows and appearances, not to mention endless social media posts. So you could make these numbers look however you wanted to. You could pick a bunch of things he says from one show, and you could skew these numbers entirely. You could make him look really true or really false. Instead, he looks like an evil liar. Now, obviously, he is totally evil, and we agree on that. In fact, please fact-check that statement. Full of the fact, Glenn Beck is evil. Mostly true. Just don't give me a true true, because then I can no longer say, Stu does America 100% mostly true. Another way these organizations stack the deck against conservatives is to use technicalities. They will give the benefit of the doubt to liberals when they say something close to the line or create a theoretical way to explain a minor error. They'll get a mostly true ranking. But for conservatives, it's the opposite. They will look for any way to justify a false rating, like a word that is slightly askew, even if the general point still clearly stands. While we're talking about it, let me give you another Glenn Beck example. This one's from the Obama era. Glenn said, John Holdren, the director of the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy, has proposed forcing abortions and putting sterilants in the drinking water to control population. Pretty clean, crazy claim, right? I mean, it is. PolitiFact rates that claim as pants on fire, not half true or even mostly false. Pants on fire, a rating that is supposedly reserved for people just completely making stuff up. But did Glenn Beck make that claim up? Not at all. He's literally just reading from John Holdren's book, quote, The third approach to population limitation is that of involuntary fertility control. Several coercive proposals deserve discussion. Adding a sterilant to drinking water or staple foods is a suggestion that seems to horrify people more than most proposals for involuntary fertility control. Indeed, this would pose some very political, or difficult political, legal, and social questions. To be acceptable, such a substance would have to meet some rather stiff requirements. It must be uniformly effective. It must be free of dangerous or unpleasant side effects. Compulsory control of family size is an unpalatable idea, but the alternatives may be much more horrifying. And to stop these horrifying environmental effects, Holdren argued we need to continue, quote, redoubling efforts to ensure that the means of birth control, including abortion and sterilization, are accessible to every human being on Earth within the shortest time possible. And as for their legality, quote, indeed, it has been concluded That compulsory population control laws, even including laws requiring compulsory abortion, should be sustained under the existing Constitution if the population crisis became sufficiently severe to endanger the society. So this was discussed at length by Holdren and his co-authors. And while they acknowledge legal, moral and technical hurdles to actually implementing forced sterilization, It's on the menu of options to solve extreme environmental problems. Of course, today's extreme environmental problem is global warming instead of population control. Can you quibble with Glenn's phrasing? Can you say, well, probably never happen? Can you say, it's actually a wonderful idea and we should force everyone to be sterilized? Sure, you can say all those things. But Pants on Fire? He's reading the guy's own words. Listen to the claim they fact-checked again. John Holdren, director of the White House Office in Science and Technology Policy, has proposed forcing abortions and putting sterilants in the drinking water to control population. Did Holdren propose these things? Here is the literal dictionary definition of the word propose, to put forward an idea or plan for consideration or discussion by others. Here's how Holdren introduced the section on forced sterilization. Several coercive proposals deserve discussion. Proposals, discussion. Does that qualify as putting forward an idea or plan for consideration or discussion by others? Yes, it's exactly what it is. They even used the exact word from the dictionary definition to describe it. And yet Glenn's statement is not true. It's not even mostly true or half true or mostly false or even false it's pants on fire. This is not fact checking. It's a political hit job. And the role of fact checkers and their impact on commentators and general political discourse have grown since then, not gone away. The message is clear. Don't talk about ideas that are against the grain or unpleasant for the media and the left. Censor yourselves willingly or you'll be censored against your will. This is not to say that PolitiFact or other fact checkers never do good work. Sometimes their work is really solid. But this idea that we can assign arbiters of truth that have clear political agendas is just nuts. Maybe we should rework the system a little bit so that left wing fact checkers only write up claims made by Republicans that are true and claims by Democrats that are false. And conservative fact checkers do the opposite. They fact check Republicans when they're lying and Democrats when they're telling the truth. The Daily Caller, a conservative site, has done some very valuable fact checking of bogus viral claims about election fraud and has identified which ones are false. And when PolitiFact said Barack Obama's claim, if you like your health care plan, you can keep it, was their lie of the year, we knew we were totally screwed. Maybe we need a Supreme Court type of setup among fact checkers, or you need a broad agreement from a wide array of viewpoints to call something false and take away someone's livelihood. Or maybe we should just all get the hell off of social media entirely. The problem is, if we did that, who would fact check? Those who fact checked the fact checkers of the fact checkers. Fact we may never know. And you can take that to the bank as 100% mostly true. Can you find a real estate agent you can trust on realestateagentsitrust.com? Fact check, mostly true. Yes, actually, it's totally true. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com. Find an agent uh, that is going to actually do a good job for you. This is a situation that Glenn got into many years ago. Uh, He was trying to sell a home, was having all sorts of problems with the agent and getting it sold. And he thought to himself, I didn't really do much screening. I think he maybe, you know, saw a picture on a a bus or something and called the real estate agent and it didn't work out. What if there was a way to screen those agents? Well, that's what Real Estate Agents I Trust is. It's a great database, A kind of an area you can kind of search by your area. Or if you're moving to a new area, an area you can search there. And you just go to realestateagentsitrust.com. They will show you the best agents in your area. Get more information at realestateagentsitrust.com. Do that now before the Internet gets thrown into the abyss by the fact checkers. realestateagentsitrust.com, realestateagentsitrust.com. Welcome back to the program. Jason Buttrell, head writer and researcher for the Glenn Beck program. Jason, how you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Good. Uh, you weren't behind this assassination in Iran, were you? <laughs> I just flew in this morning, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this I think this is a pretty fascinating story. Um, and there's a there's several different kind of legs to it. Uh, first of all, start off with who this guy is.
1: Uh, Fakhra Zeta. So he's pretty much I, I, the best way to characterize him is really the Oppenheimer uh, of Iran. He's been called the father of their nuclear program. Um, he's support, well, <laughs> He's been called the father of the nuclear program. But if you ask anyone over there in the regime, he's just an academic. He's hmm. just a professor. And that's really what they've called him going back until around 1998 when he started looking into uh, building up their nuclear program. In fact, the I, uh, IAEA um, wasn't even allowed to speak to this guy. That's how secretive he was. They let The Iranians let a ton of the, uh, their other scientists talk to uh, the, the inspectors, but not Fakhrizadeh. Um, he is an expert in miniaturization. Um, Their program now, which they said didn't exist, but it does. Their program now is to miniaturize nuclear warheads and put them on cruise missiles so they can strike as far as Europe if they wanted to. Um, That's how and that's how important this guy really is. Um, It's a it's a huge setback for them. Um, Their nuclear program will not stop, but they've definitely slowed it down. And uh, the big question now is I keep saying they Who is they? I think it's pretty obvious. I think Iran, uh, Israel, uh, it was all over this. I don't think the United States had any play in this whatsoever.
0: Okay, I want to get into that here in a second. But first, take me through what actually happened. If you haven't heard the background of this story and kind of how it actually occurred, this assassination in Iran, it is totally an action movie, isn't it?
1: For sure, I think Ben Affleck should be looking at Argo Part 2 for this one <laughs> because it's absolutely insane. Um up to 60 people uh, reportedly were involved with this around 50 or so logistics um personnel um and around 12 shooters. And this it's absolutely nuts how this went down. And you got to think How did, I'm just going to say the Israelis, because I'm pretty sure it was them. How did the Israelis, are are they that penetrated into Iran? Because this guy, Fakr Zeta, he's one of the most protective individuals in the country. But they were able to find out his schedule, his classified route, everything. As he was driving out of Tehran, going to his... um, you know, Doctor Evil summer camp home, <laughs> uh, which was just east of Tehran. He uh, the, the ambush happened as he was going through a little village. There were three cars, three armored vehicles. A remote detonated explosion took out the rear vehicle. Then the then the kill team went in with firing on the other two uh, vehicles. Um, absolutely nuts! Not a single person on the kill team or any of the logistics personnel were were caught. They just poof, they're they're gone. Um, I mean, it's absolutely nuts. You got to think. Uh, for one, and I hope I'm not skipping too far ahead here, this was a, a huge message to the Iranians for one. There's another message involved, but this is a huge message to the Iranians, pretty much that we own you. We can do whatever we want to you. For the past few years, their nuclear scientists have been getting killed right and left. Those were lower level scientists, but I, Iran has no idea what happened. This guy was a guy that was supposed to have been untouchable. No one could touch him. I mean, this would be like... Almost, on the level of a senior, like cabinet-level person, you know, in the regime, traveling around, but they took him out easily, and no one got caught. They are saying to the Iranians, "We got you whenever we want." stay in line, or this something like this is going to happen. I mean, it's just incredible. Mm. Uh, it really is incredible. I mean, the scene that
0: was painted is, I mean, it, it is, it's an incredible thing. And I do feel like a movie is coming eventually of this entire <laughs> operation. Um, you mentioned the Israelis. That is certainly who everyone kind of assumes uh, was behind this, uh, and not for the normal reason of just a lot of people in the media blame the Jews for stuff. This one does seem to have a little bit of a, a, of a backing in that, obviously, you know, uh, Netanyahu had specifically Specifically pointed out this guy by name in public before as a real problem, Uh, and this is the type of operation you know carries some of the hallmarks of of the way Israeli intelligence works. Uh, How sure are we that that this is the truth behind the situation, and what is the motivation of Israel in this in this moment?
1: I'm 99% positive. They're the only ones that have the capability to pull something like this off. We don't have the capability to pull something like that off without Israel's help. Mm. Um, the Gulf kingdoms don't have the ability to pull this off, and they wouldn't get Israel's help on this anyway. They probably wouldn't even ask them, even though relations are getting better. Israel's the only one that could have pulled this off. Um, the message that they're sending, I believe, one, like as I said, we can do whatever we want, um, so mind your P's and Q's, but also they've got a new administration coming in uh, eventually. Uh, The Biden administration has signaled that they want to, you know, try and re-enter the uh, Iranian nuclear deal. I don't know if the Iranians would be too receptive of this because they kind of see that unless this thing goes through, you know, Congress, it doesn't really mean anything. If an administration just tries to force this through, it could be gone, you know, in three years, four years. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I don't really think that's where it's going to go. But I think this was the Israelis sending a clear message to, you know, the incoming Biden administration saying, look, you know, we don't need your help in guaranteeing our security. That's on us. If you want to go in a completely different direction, again, the foreign policy of Biden and Obama was really what got Israel in actually dire danger to begin with. There were IRGC, uh, you know, command elements inside Syria on their back door. This was all because the the uh, Obama and Biden Biden administration flushed them with hundreds hundreds of billions of dollars of cash. It's all because of the Iran nuclear deal. Getting out of it was actually what started peace. Now they want to you know do a complete 180 and go back the other direction. It's madness. But they're going to try that because of why legacy? That's what they want to do. They want to the legacy of Obamacare, legacy of the Iran nuclear deal, stuff like that. Even though they they both suck, um, and they're their in their own ways, but. I think that this was very, you know, a very firm message by the Israelis, one against the Iranians. Look, we, you know, just don't do anything. We own you. And one and the other to the Biden administration. Look, if you go that direction, we will take matters into our own hands. Look, we have the capability. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's a there's a thing where people think that I mean, Israel
0: can do its own bidding in these matters. I mean, they, they can handle themselves. They don't they don't necessarily need our help on a lot of this stuff. Um, but they're good members of the community, the international community. They try to work with us as, as close allies. And they don't, they don't necessarily run things by us, but they try to respect uh, our wishes in some ways. Sure. What do you think the chances are? And again, I think there's a lot of uh, just theorizing here. And I'm, I'm sorry, this is my fantasy league uh, sort of uh, my take on this <laughs> at some level, where the Israelis have wanted to do this for a while, they've had the capabilities of doing this for a while. They uh, are in contact with the Trump administration, who, you know, at times, maybe we pull Israel back from some of these things if we can. We say, look, all right, you know what? Go ahead. Do your thing. Because the thought being Biden may be coming in. Biden may be saying, hey, we're going to get back into this into this nuclear deal. And. If this happens, it's going to be more difficult when they either respond or, you know, you've got to expect Iran to do something from this. It's going to be much more yeah. difficult for for Biden to walk back into that arrangement if 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 there's, a you know, an, a, a, an irrational attack by Iran here in the next few weeks from some hard hardliners, even if it's by proxy. So I think there's a, you know, part of me thinks, because, you, know, you know, this was an accusation against Trump. Trump, that he was doing this to manipulate the Biden administration. And I was like, I kind of hope so. (laughs) Like, I, I didn't see it as this negative accusation at all. I saw it as something where he's trying to make sure this doesn't happen again, where we go into a deal like the Iran deal and, you know, risk the entire thing blowing up.
1: I can't imagine the Israelis running this by the Trump administration in, unless it was, say, five minutes before go time mm. or during the assault or maybe right after. I'm sure they I'm sure they let them know uh, eventually. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure we know exactly who it was. Um, an operation such as this, if there's no air elements to, you know, that they have to worry about, like flying through some space that maybe the U.S. is watching and patrolling. The, 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 these types of operations are not, you know, leaked out or not leaked out, but they're not they don't notify their allies up until the point that they're doing it, or soon afterwards, because it's it's just that sensitive. But that being said, I, I I'm pretty sure that they have the relationship with the Trump administration to know, you know, what is in bounds and what's out of bounds for what they can pull off. I, I, I almost can guarantee that, you know, when we took out Qasem Soleimani, I I, I don't know how much we told the um, Israelis as far as you know when we were going to do it. Uh, we might've told them that we wanted to do it. We were watching him, but we probably didn't tell them up until when they absolutely needed to know. Um, But I, 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 I definitely get what you're what you're saying there. With I, uh, I, I think it'd be good if um <laughs> can, if the Trump administration was looking towards that because I mean not only is it a good thing we have another dead terrorist which is great first Soleimani now this other guy it's it's almost like a Queen song at this point another one bites a the Um they need to keep going and that's how they should handle this regime it's a terrorist regime a country was stolen by terrorists. Um, it's not legitimate. Like John Brennan, do you see what he was trying to say? This is not a legitimate regime. It hasn't been. And the fact that you're giving them legitimacy is part of the problem here. You have to deal with them with strong deterrence. And this is exactly what we, what we need to do. If we don't, if we go back to the era of like the Iran deal, just giving them money and hoping everything's going to be okay, we're going to be back to square one. All the peace that's been breaking out lately is going to be gone. And it's going to be for nothing. So, you know, here's hoping that You know, maybe the Israelis can keep the Biden administration in check. It's possible. It's possible. Um, There's another theory going around,
0: and I've I've seen this tossed around by mainstream media types, that... Netanyahu, who they don't like, I mean, clearly, um, did did this expecting some sort of retaliation, which will give him cover to do what he really wants to do, which is go after these nuclear facilities. It will give him an opportunity to respond to that attack, to go after and bunker buster bombs and, and such to take out the actual nuclear facilities. Anything to that,
1: you think? I, I don't think so because I one Iran is not is not stupid um, they they cannot wage a war over that distance with Israel to get the butts kicked um, and if they retali- if they went too hard then we would come in to help uh, Israel in, in this that's not the way Iran operates so what you're going to see is I still don't think we've seen a real retaliation for Qasem Soleimani mm. I think those things are being will, will be taken by Hezbollah other proxy forces um, you it, it could be another year before we see a retaliation from them but they'll do it the way they always do it they're a terrorist regime Team. They'll do it that gives them plausible deniability and, you know, escape the full on military retaliation that you were just talking about. And it'll be something against an embassy or it'll be something against, you know, something like that. Um, but that's how they operate. A, they, they operate through terror, not through conventional forces. So that, that's what I'm expecting. OK.
0: And finally, uh, if Ben Affleck is playing the lead in this, what role is Matt Damon playing? <laughs> uh, his
1: wife. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, it's a new future. Uh, you, know, you gotta accept every single choice that people make uh, Jason Buttrell head writer for Glenn Beck on the Glenn Beck program thanks for coming on the program I appreciate it it's
1: my pleasure
0: alright back in a second let me tell you about a story that will mean absolutely nothing to you you will have no feelings about this story you will not be interested in this story in any way but I want to tell you about it anyway. Here it is. Oscar-nominated star Elliot Page announces he is transgender. How do I know that means nothing to you? Because you, there is no such person as Elliot Page. That's not a person. It wasn't a person until yesterday, apparently. Elliot Page is now a person. And this is how the journalists tell you this story. A person who is announcing that they are transgender and apparently are now, is now a boy formerly a girl, now a boy, and they just tell you it's Elliot Page. Who the hell is Elliot Page? Elliot Page is not a person. You're you're announcing a new person. Why would it be a news story for this person who apparently was Oscar nominated? I'm interested. Did Elliot Page get an Oscar nomination? I don't remember that. Does Elliot Page get to maintain the Oscar nomination that Elliot Page apparently now has? Why? When it was... Ellen Page, who was Oscar nominated, Ellen Page is now a boy, apparently. I, look, I don't care what Ellen Page does with her life. I don't care if she's a boy or a girl. However, she is Ellen Page. Okay, that's who she is. She's Ellen Page. She wants to tell everybody she's Elliot Page. Whatever. Fine. Maybe at some point we'll adjust to that uh, at our convenience, frankly. But at some point we'll adjust to that. But let me just beat up on the journalist part of this. You can't tell the story without saying Ellen Page has now trans has as, as, uh, has uh, has changed her gender and is now Elliot Page. You got to tell us who it is. I didn't know. I just saw the headline. So like, go the hell's Elliot Page. I never heard Elliot Page, and then they show a picture of, El- of Ellen Page. So Ellen Page is now Elliot Page. Why is that important? I don't know. I am I am fascinated by it because it is so bad. Like. First of all, why does Ellen Page, it should be Ellen Page. If I call her Ellen Page, they will say I'm dead naming Ellen Page. There is no such person as Ellen Page. Ellen Page is gone. Well, if Ellen Page is gone, so are Oscar nominations. So are her awards. So is all the. How about all the money that she has? Does Elliot start from scratch? I doubt she has to empty out her bank accounts because she's now Elliot Page. But all the. Uh, we have to act as if now Elliot Page won those awards. We have to act as if Bruce Jenner didn't win the gold medals, but Caitlyn Jenner did. This is ridiculous. There is some level of of factual necessity in life. Okay. These are true statements. Ellen Page was Oscar nominated for something. Elliot Page has done nothing. If you're telling me Elliot, Elliot Page is some new person. Well, the, the, I mean, I don't do I. I can't figure this out. I'm not supposed to acknowledge it's Ellen Page, but I have to acknowledge all the accomplishments of this Elliot Page who didn't exist until today. Like that's something an insane society does. That's not the something a, a sane World can comprehend. And then to just blurt it out like this, Elliot, this, I mean, does it, not until you get to a couple paragraphs in, does it say, Elliot, formerly known as Ellen Page, well, and it's all, of course, his. Like, we all immediately are just supposed to just jump on this bandwagon and be like, yes, uh, he is transgendered now. His Oscar nomination for that movie where he played a female. And by the way, how screwed up is that? Why is this white man taking roles from women? This white man who has played women all throughout his career, I don't think he's ever even played a man. He's taken nothing but women's jobs this entire time. Is that okay? I was told you have to play the exact thing you are because acting, if nothing else, is playing your exact, only Howard Stern did it right in his movie Private Parts. He played himself, and that's the only thing you're allowed to play. You can't play anyone who's different from you because we should hire someone who's that person. None of this makes any sense, but that is the world you live in. Congratulations. This is just such a sad, sad story. You know, I swear, I swear, and I've said this before, I don't know why I have a theory on this. This is not something I should have a theory on. Okay. This should just be a story I never think of, but I have a theory. There's a certain amount of woke repentance. You have to put in to, uh, to pay for past sins. Ellen page made quite possibly the most powerful pro-life movie in history. She didn't mean it to be pro-life, but Juno was a freaking really good movie and also was pretty pro-life you know, there's all sorts of things, you know, some some, you know, people don't like it on the pro-life side. But I, I did like it. I thought it was a very effective thing. And it made people think for once you're getting a Hollywood production um, where the person keeps the baby and uh, and and considers abortion and doesn't do it and is happy about that decision. These are things you don't see in Hollywood movies, not to mention it was very well written and very funny. And she was great in it, by the way. I mean, he was great in it, by the way. But I mean, I swear there's just like this constant ever since that happened her her, him, it happened to her. Now he, they, constantly, she's made choice after choice after choice, where she's played the most liberal roles uh, that you could possibly imagine. And she said the most liberal things you can possibly imagine. Now she's a he. I swear, it's okay that you made a movie that some pro-lifers like. Don't, you don't need to go this far. We all get it. And I will say this, Ellen Page might be Elliot Page now. Okay, that's what they're saying. But no man could have played the role she played in the movie Hard Candy. I don't want you to go look it up. But trust me, you don't want to look it up. And no guy could ever do what she did in that movie. It's not possible. So I, I will. I, she's Ellen Page to me. Maybe at some point I'll learn it. It's like Look, it's still the Washington Redskins to me, too. I'm old school. OK, they're not the football team. They're the Redskins to me. I'm just, I, you know, it's still Aunt Jemima pancakes. It's still cream of wheat. None of this stuff, I, I just, I'm not going to roll with it. I can't help it. At least they're changing their brands. I guess Elliot is as well. So welcome to the world, this person we all seem to know so much about, Elliot Page. On this front, uh, John Michael Higgins. You'll know him from Best in Show, which is another fantastic freaking movie. I mean, it's a great Great movie. He played uh, Michael McKean's uh, boyfriend in the movie. It's such a movie. It's a you know mockumentary about dog shows. If you've never seen it, it's very funny. Anyway, uh, he says he's got uh, he's got to come up and try to ruin. I guess that we've already ruined Juno. Now we got to ruin this. Uh, he says I. Uh, he says <laughs> this is amazing. Um, he says. I, the only reason I'm still uh, working as a comedian is because I've never approached the job of comedy as comic. I just play the scenes. I just play the need, and the bigger the need in comedy, the funnier it is. He says that uh, after the show's release, he started to, uh, to, you know, to think about his role in the movie, and he's great in this movie. And he goes on to say that he would never, here he is, uh, he says, uh, let me see if I can give you the quote here. Uh, Chris, Chris who's the guy who directed it uh, famously, called me up and said, listen, I want you to do this movie about dogs up in Vancouver. And I was like, great. That sounds really fun. And he said, there's a gay couple in the movie and I want you to do that because I had just done this gay character for this other thing. I done a long series of gay roles on stage in New York and I have nothing against gay at all. That's nice. I have nothing against gay at all. Get a bumper sticker that says that and see. (laughs) See how that goes for you. Uh, I uh, I had just done four projects, and it's not like all gay people are the same. I want to spread my wings a little bit and take a break and then do it again. It was also a slightly different time. The atmosphere now is very different, so I doubt that I would ever be cast as a gay character because it would seem not PC or something like that. There are so many great actors out there who are gay. It would feel funky these days, and I think it, it probably should. Should it? What the hell is acting? What is it? It is the process of pretending you're something you're not, unless you're Howard Stern in private parts. It's the only exception. He he played himself. There are occasional cameo roles where you play yourself. Wayne Newton plays Wayne Newton a lot, okay, in movies. Other than that, acting is playing somebody you're not. So if you're not gay, you could play someone who is gay. That's okay. And the fact that we're losing that is just bizarre. It's just bizarre. But this is the PC world we're in. We're in a PC world where we must do everything to celebrate everything that's different. For example, Sarah Fuller. Now, she's at Vanderbilt. She's named the SEC Special Teams Player of the Week after her historic kick. She's the first SEC, I think the first uh, uh, Big Five uh, player uh, that is a woman. And she uh, kicked the ball uh, as the kicker in an SEC game for, uh, was it Missouri? Was it Missouri? Mm? No, Vanderbilt. Sorry, I already said that. Vanderbilt. Now, I've, look, can women kick the ball? Sure. They play soccer. They do all sorts of things. The reason why they don't play a lot of football is because they would get killed. There is the Lingerie Football League. I don't know if it's still in existence, but it did exist for a while. Uh, but this is not the Lingerie Football League, and that's hateful for you to suggest that women should have a Lingerie Football League. However, it's also hateful for you to criticize it because then you're not letting women make their own choices. So remember all that. And then watch this kick by Sarah Fuller uh, for Vanderbilt. Here it is, it's history. Columbia, oh my gosh, here it is. I'm very excited about it. First kick ever. And uh, here she goes. She's about to kick the ball. Are you guys excited that a, a girls can kick the ball? Here it is. Very exciting. Uh, she approaches. The ball, and uh, here we go. Exciting. Kicks the ball. Goes like 15 yards and, uh, and is down at the, the 35 yard 35-yard line. Now, line look, I know football enough to know that's a squib kick. You know, maybe looking for a, a cheap little turnover or something. However, you, you don't, it's the first kick of a historic thing, supposedly. You can't just let her kick the ball deep. And that's the question. Can she do that? I don't know. Probably not. The only reason she was out there in the first place is because everyone on the team had COVID. Okay? That's how this works. I'm just going to say this once and for all. She, by the way, went out and made this long statement. I can't give it to you now I'm running out of time. Long statement about how she's disappointed in the way the team is reacting and not playing hard enough. A, forget the gender. A walk-on kicker is criticizing the rest of the team for not playing hard enough? Again, the, there is a double standard because that would get you your ass kicked if you were a guy. Okay? That's what would happen. Back in a second. Did you know Glint has made a real alternative currency? Glint allows clients to buy, sell, save, and spend real gold using the Glint MasterCard and Glint app. I've got a Glint card right here, check it out. It's a normal credit card. You walk in, no one even know. No one even know you're paying with gold, but you can pay with gold. In fact, you can also tell people about that. This is real gold we're talking about, and you actually, when you put money on, on your Glint card, it's actual real physical gold purchased and held for you in Switzerland. Um, so you're going to get the, uh, the, the benefits of investing in gold, but also have the money accessible to you whenever you want. I mean, you know, look, gold coins are cool and stuff, uh, but what are you going to do with them? Right. You're going to have to sell them again. You're going to pay huge fees. Glint Pay has really small fees. I think it's a half a percent, which is way, way less than you're going to pay with a lot of these other guys. And, uh, you know, you're going to get actual gold and you can spend the actual gold with your Glint MasterCard in any store you want. I buy Cheetos with it all the time. That's what I do. Glintpay.com uh, slash stew. Uh, The slash stew part of the address is important because that's how they know you like this stupid show. You know all the cash. They just announced another $900 billion they're going to spend on coronavirus. Can you think of how much the inflation's going to be in the future? Don't miss out on an opportunity to, uh, to diversify a little bit and have the money accessible to you. Glintpay.com slash stew. G-L-I-N-T pay.com slash so we're getting closer and closer to this vaccine coming out, whether you want to take it or not. It's a pretty amazing scientific achievement and one that would only be possible with capitalism. hmm. Yes, there is some government involvement as far as making sure you're basically guaranteeing um, that you can sell vaccines even if the vaccine doesn't work. Right. So they are backstopping this operation. And that has sped this up quite a bit. But all these companies working together, you're seeing so many now that are coming out. We could have a dozen vaccines eventually. Three of which, though, are right now looking really promising and and heading towards availability here in the next few weeks. Um, Moderna had released their their, uh, details of their study, and it's hard to imagine it going better. Uh, There was 196 people got coronavirus in the study uh, that they had. It was split about tens of thousands, split half and half, Half the people got the vaccine. Half the people got a placebo of the 196 people who got infected with covid-19, 185 people were in the placebo placebo group. Only 11 people were in the vaccine group Uh, when it comes to serious uh, disease, severe disease, 30 cases in the placebo group, zero in the vaccine group. I mean, look, this is look so far looks better than ever anyone could possibly expect. They say that uh, the biggest side effect so far is soreness around the injection point, which I don't think you can blame the vaccine for that. That's just the needle. Uh, uh, Otherwise, it is still messy here in New York. They've got a situation going on where they're now fining people fifteen hundred dollars for a place called pint size. It's a craft beer bar for failing to serve what regulators deemed was enough veggies per pint of beer. Um, because basically what they're doing is to get around the the bar restrictions. They're serving food. They're just like putting a can of beans in the middle of the table. (laughs) It's totally getting around it. They felt bad after a while, though, because they were wasting a lot of food that could go to like a food bank or something. So they started cutting down on the portions. Apparently, they're not wasting enough food for Cuomo. He's uh, come in to try to uh, shut them down. If you remember this at the beginning, they started serving Cuomo chips uh, to, to satisfy this, so bars can stay open. They just put a plate of potato chips on there. And, you know, but they, they fought back, and they said, that's not enough. Cheese and crackers will count. Chips and salsa will count. However, chips will not by themselves. Also, uh, this has happened in other states as well. Um, in Philadelphia, they were selling a single boiled egg at a bar. And California went into painstaking detail about whether salad counts as food as, or not. I know as a human male, it does not. Salad does not count as food. Back in a second. (music) Available now in the web store, StuDoesMerch.com. Live uh, all the way to you from the North Pole autonomous zone. It's Santifa Claus. Yes, Santifa Claus—the ultimate combination of Santa Claus and Antifa. You need this for your holiday. Go to StuDoesMerch.com to get it, as well as going to get the uh, new shirt. Yes, it's not a riot. It is a mostly peaceful tree lighting with the wonderful fires of a city behind it. Some BLM member lit it on fire. You get the benefit of the shirt. Get it at merch.com. All right, your reviews. Five stars is the appropriate numbers of star, a number of stars. It's on iTunes. Uh, five freaking stars. I usually watch the show with my Blaze TV subscription, but your show is great or something. Whatever. Five stars. Fly Eagles fly. A brave statement. After yesterday uh, and last night, I, uh, I appreciate it. It hurts inside. Five freaking stars, though. Love this stupid show. This show is uh, best to break down what's happening and what you should know about it. It's great. Whatever. Okay, I have too much enthusiasm for the whatever. That's very true, but still, five freaking stars. I appreciate it. The appropriate number of stars, whatever. Honestly, five freaking stars is the correct number of stars for this stupendous show. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Tomorrow, we're back with more stupendous entertainment. Andrew Cuomo is awful
1: dot com.